0: Here They're presenting their ministry and from somewhere right over here, Dominic asks a question. How cool was that? That this young person was listening and it generated a question with him. I was encouraged by the willingness of a Sunday school class that meets here, and they're having a great time. I went in there this morning, and they're all, you know, before they started, there's noise and laughter. I said, can I come in and join you guys? Because you look like you're having fun, and I like to have fun. All right? So they're, they're having a great time in there, but they had structured themselves in such a way that they weren't expecting to miss a week, but they generously said, yeah, we're still going to come in, and we're going to, we're going to be there and present with the blisses, and that was wonderful. Your love gift towards them was absolutely over the top. And what was super fun was after the service, you know, it just missionaries come in and it takes a lot of effort to tend to them properly. And um, I just figured, you know what, I'm going to just, they're heading out toward, back towards Stillwater. I want to just, I'll just take them out to eat and uh, discuss their weekend with us and discuss more details about their ministry and, and we'll send them on their way. And I got people coming to me saying, hey, can can we come? Can we come? Can we come? It turned out to be a party went down, okay, at that place. And it wasn't just a few of us. It was quite a group of us that wound up going out to eat with them because people just wanted to be with them. Now, they've said that this this is, they've told us more than once, this is their favorite church to come to because of how we, just how we interact with them. And um, even, I believe, said, I thought I understood it correctly, that that's why they brought, bring their kids, make sure their kids come here. And how cool was it in talking with people afterwards to hear from Stovey that Leah was so excited because she had asked one of their kids, hey, you want to play? And their daughter said, yeah. And then they went off and played together. And it was just fun that their kids were playing with all of our kids who are of a similar age. And a good bond, a good connection was taking place. And I just, I just enjoyed it immensely and felt like God's blessing was on the weekend. And I've said to a number of people, I truly believe God has given us a, a, a unique bond with the Bliss family because they didn't come to us from any place where we had a connection with them. A number of years ago, uh, we had learned of them through Marge, brought them here. Marge Bursness, if you don't know who that is, that's Larry's first wife, brought them here, and there was like this instant connection that has only grown, grown tighter. So that was, just, that was just super fun. Even, and you've got to understand, I love this kind of thing, so don't, miss, don't misread me as we're, as we we're, are as we're laying out the time for the blisses to be with us. Okay, we have, this, uh, we have this wonderful new missions committee chairman. And she's trying, this is the first time, she's never seen how we do it with missions people. So this is her first time. So she said, she's trying to make sure she's got all the bases covered that, uh, that should be covered. And um, then she, let's see, uh, uh, we needed to have a greeting in the bulletin. Now where is this? I want to. Uh, oh, here it is. We need to have a greeting in the bulletin. So we asked, well, you know, Peggy, do you want, Brandy Miller, do you want to do this? And because she's so good at what she does, she was willing to go, yeah, I'll, I'll try and do that. But she begins by sending me a text because she doesn't really know what we're looking for. And I know she's very capable to do this. So she said, I don't know what to say in the bulletin. Can you give me some ideas to get me started? To which I responded, how about... Pastor Gary is awesome, and David Bliss isn't too bad either. Now, that was just my being humorous in terms of saying, Peggy, you got this. Write a greeting in the bulletin. Did you see the greetings he put in the bulletin? (laughs) Wasn't that hysterical? (laughs) That was awesome. She wrote this great greeting, and then as a P.S., if you didn't see it in last week's bulletin, she said... Pastor Gary is awesome, and David Bliss isn't too bad either. And She took that, and I never expected anything other than her to read it, okay? So isn't that great that we can just enjoy that time? And I told her that you always have to understand, Peggy, I get the last word. So funny as it was, you're fired, Okay. <laughs> But it, was, it just added, in my own understanding, it just added to the, that the wonderful dynamic of God's people enjoying each other's company, having a little humor, and it just, I just felt like it was such a rich weekend with them. Perhaps my best indicator, this is for me personally in my own experience, my best indicator that it was a great weekend was the attempt of the evil one to steal my joy. Because I have found it to be true that Whenever there's something that I, I, I just, I'm just celebrating how God is, his grace has been magnificent towards us, it's predictable that there will be something in an attempt that comes, something that will chip away at my joy. And I long ago realized, you know, he can't steal my salvation, but he can sure try and knock the joy out from under me. And I saw that happen, I went, oh, I'm not letting you get by with that sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue in the joy of what we have experienced with this precious couple who love God and are seeking to serve Him. And uh, God is clearly using them because He's you know, advancing the responsibilities that they have. And so all of that is just to say that, that we're in a battle. We know that. We know the work of the church is one in which it, we are in a battle. And when things are going well, we can expect a pushback and I've referred to that for this series, I've referred to it as headwinds. Expect them to happen. Which is why we're studying the book of Acts. We're studying the book of Acts in order to look at, huh, in the early church, what are some of the headwinds they experienced? So that we can kind of grow from them and learn from them and recognize how to perhaps manage these kinds of things. So, We're learning that the headwinds are not new to us. So uh, we have noticed a couple of things. I've never put it in this form, but I will say it right now. Some of the headwinds we see now will come from outside the church. Like when they first started preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the religious leaders in the day beat them and said, don't speak in his name anymore. That was from outside the church. We've noticed that headwinds can come from within us because we're not completely Christ-like in our being. Our motivations can be questioned or are questionable, I should say, because none of us has reached perfection yet. And so we saw with Ananias and Sapphira, their willingness in chapter 5 to lie to the Holy Spirit about some giving they had done and pretend as if they, they were giving more generously than they were. And God brought swift judgment upon them, but that was within their own spirit that that happened. What I would like for us to notice today is that headwinds can can blow up into our face, blow against us from things happening between us, things going on between us. So we'll notice that if you'll turn with me to Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, and we can see these headwinds. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Who were the Hellenists? Let's just put that in place right now. The Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews. So they had come from some further surrounding areas, and in those areas, Greek would have been the more common, uh, common language, and so... They are are Jews, but that is their main language, and there is this distinction between them. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So even this original, out of this original group who withstood the preaching of the, of the resurrection, there are some of those, Luke tells us, that are that are coming to faith. Now one of the things that we'd just like to note, uh, because we want to get a grasp on how we, how we come to these things, one of the things we would just like to note is this: In the book of Acts, I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but here is a good enough place, is one of Luke's techniques is to give us, for lack of a better term, progress reports. He is showing us how the church is advancing. The church is in a growth mode. These are the early days of the church. And he is showing us how the gospel is progressing from there, its impact upon people's lives. And he gives these types of reports. Chapter 6, verse 1, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying... And then the last, verse seven, the word of God spread, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Sometimes he identifies numbers with it specifically, but he continually updates us that the church is moving forward, God is blessing, good things are happening. Now, it is in the midst of that, it is in the midst of the church growing, that they experience some growth pains if you will, because within the, within the distinction of these two different groups, one is claiming, wait a second, <laughs> our widows are being neglected. And so that raises a problem that they are talking about. Now to order on, and to understand what is going on, I want to back up just a little bit to chapter 4 to get an understanding of one of the dynamics that is happening in that early church at this time. And in chapter 4, verse 32, I want to pick that up, and here's what we read earlier. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceedings of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as anyone had need." And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And there we have an understanding about what this distribution of things is. It is that people were so captivated by the work of the gospel, by this church, this new movement that's being born, by the church of Jesus Christ that is now impacting lives that they said, you know what? This is the most important thing. (laughs) This matters far more than my worldly possession. They're willing to start selling things off in order to support the needs of others who not only have just financial needs, but some of them are going to go through great persecution and they saying we've got to stand in this together. There was a unity among them. But when they sold things and liquidated their assets, what what happens then? You know, just liquidating your asset, there's another step that needs to happen. So what are they doing? They are bringing what they have liquidated. They are bringing their gifts, laying them at the apostles' feet. And now the apostles are taking that which has been granted to them for the sake of the church. And they now are running a distribution system, if you will, so that everybody's needs can be met. my mind, I'm thinking they were like the original Salvation Army, right? The Salvation Army we know is out there, and it's ministering to people's physical needs, but at, at least in its original form, was very consistent in preaching salvation through the name of Jesus Christ alone, and that's what they're doing. They're carrying out both of these tasks, preaching the word, and as these gifts come in, distributing them out appropriately. Now, if you recall with us, when we were in Acts chapter 5, if you were with us, this is the context in which Ananias and Sapphira tried to lie to the Holy Spirit because they sold some stuff. Peter asked, is this, is this the entire amount that you sold us for? And they're like, yes. They both conspired to lie. They both died. God brought serious judgment to remind them as to remind the church, this is who you're dealing with here. But that was part of that distribution system. And now we find in chapter 6, they can't keep up. There's a problem. The problem is the the administration of this is beginning to show that there's some breakdown. I don't believe in any way the apostles were trying to do something ill. I think it just came down to this. The church was growing so significantly that the administrative side of this equation was beginning to overrun their ability to carry out their first priority, which was to preach the gospel and to pray, and now they can't do both. And so the, the some, some little holes, if you will, are showing up in their system. So it's wonderful. It's grow, what we would call growth pains. God's doing amazing things. They're starting to go, bad, you know, I can't. Quite keep my, uh, keep our, we can't quite keep our arms around this. In fact, in order to solve that, the problem of growth pains, we could see that growth pains sometimes require growth change. Something has to be done differently. This isn't working any longer. So what did they do? Well, very obvious from the text. First, they put in place new systems. See, they no longer distributed to the needs of the people. They as meaning the apostles. They put a new system in place, and they divided the labor. He said, okay, getting too big for us. We'll continue on in, in teaching and in praying, but we need somebody to do the administrative tasks. So a new system, division of labor. It also required new people. Think of this when it says they... They said, we're going to need about seven people to carry out this task. They're, you know, this is what's happening. This is how big the project has gotten. So you find seven people, and uh, we'll appoint them, show them what we're doing, what needs to be done, and we can go on. And now we can teach. They can do the administrative work. Imagine how, much, how big it had gotten, and you can see why it would be out of control if, like, it takes a small army of seven, <laughs> in order to pull this off. That's how much they gave them to do, was to take seven people. So you get a sense as to, yeah, there was a lot going on there, and anybody who, I mean, Miles can tell you this, all right, because he's so intricately involved with what we do here. Anybody can tell you who's in, who is in ministry, there's always more to do. There's always more to do, because ministry is entirely open-ended. You will never, we will never, no one will ever meet every possible need that is out there because there's just way too much going on. So, as seemed wise with that, by the, by the, I trust by the leading of the Holy Spirit, they're like, okay, we've got to divide this out. Put in new system, put in new people. Well, friends, I want to think about that just for a little bit this morning. With this, again, as the premise from which we are working. If God blesses our efforts, which is what we are trusting him for and saying we're making it a new priority. You know, we're making it our priority to be a part of of a church. To be a part of a fellowship of believers who are trusting God to use them in northwest Minnesota. If God blesses our efforts so that we experience another season of growth, which would be awesome... We would all enjoy that. We will need to make some systemic changes. At this point, we don't know what we would need to do, but we have seen it happen before. There's another thought. If God blesses our efforts so that we experience another season of growth, which would be awesome, we'll need to make people changes. We don't know who we will need yet, but I'm sure we can use you because there's that much work to be done and because God has blessed you with giftedness and abilities to serve within the body of Christ and to help move the kingdom forward towards its goal to preach the gospel. We're going to need all the help we can get. Did any of you happen to catch, some of you have been to Vienna, you'll appreciate this. Did any of you happen to catch that a new, although it's not official, but a new amazing world record was set yesterday? Did you hear that? Go ahead, what was it? Incredible. Somebody ran yesterday morning in Vienna. So those of you, in in the article I read said it took place in a park, so I'm wondering, was it Donau Park? I don't know. But if you've been to Vienna, you know what Donau Park is. But a guy ran a sub-two-hour marathon. Now, that's phenomenal. And he broke it at one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. He broke it by over 20 seconds. Phenomenal goal. What I thought was interesting, though, was that in order to do so, there was an entire, he's a professional runner, guess from where, Kenya, <laughs> okay, can you guess that one, yes, we can, all right, a phenomenal goal, but you know, what I thought was interesting as I read it, is that he had runners pacing him. Some runner would come in, run with him for three, five, six miles, something like that, and hold a pace to keep him going so he knew how to pace himself. Clocks along the way so he knew how to pace himself. He did not just get up one morning, go out there, and just run on his own uh, this, you know, 26.2 miles. That doesn't take anything away from what he did. It is an amazing accomplishment. But he didn't do it alone. He needed help, and that's going to be the way it is with ministry here. We need to be a team of people who are working for a singular goal that God's kingdom might move forth, that we might be used in a significant way here. Now, what I would like to do is just point out, because some of you weren't with us in these days, so I want to try and get a little bit of understanding out there that we have already experienced this kind of Uh, Of dimension where we needed to make a systemic change that resulted in people change. And that relates to what's in your bulletin. Could I ask you to pull these out? Before you know it, we're going to be at an annual meeting and we're going to ask ourselves, how are we here already again so quick? Because it just happens so fast. Uh, Want to tell you. Twenty-five years ago, how we handled annual meetings and trying to get the right people into the right places. Twenty-five years ago, here's what we did. We claimed we formed a, a nominating committee. So this nominating committee would talk to a couple people and they would put together a ballot. And then we come to the annual meeting and basically we dismissed the work of the nominating committee because then we started taking nominations from the floor. And so people start putting I think you should, I think you should and it's like, and I found myself going, why are we even having a nominating committee do any work if we get here and then just dismiss what they've done and, and it was chaotic. It did not work well. Now, understand when we were a church of forty people, church of fifty people, we could probably get by with that. But growth had happened. And that was no longer going to be an effective way for us to, to find out who it is are we going to be voting on. That didn't work when we passed 100 and 125 and 150. That is no way to conduct a meeting or official business as a congregation. It just isn't how it can be done. So we need to make some systemic changes. And that's where this came from. You'll notice it indicates we're going to be together on the 26th. Good things are going to be happening then. We believe God has given every Christian a ministry in the church. That's why I say each one of us has a place here. It's our prayerful intent to place the best ballot possible before the congregation. That's what we're striving for. We're striving for a ballot that, regardless, person A or person B gets elected, doesn't matter they're good and they're going to be able to fill that position and it's going to work. And uh, it's it's an awesome thing to see happen. And these are the things we consider. I want you to understand this, okay? We consider giftedness. Are are they wired for that position? Remember Larry? Remember Larry? 62 years on a board, was never a deacon. How can that be? (laughs) Because he knew his wiring was for administration. He didn't resent that. This is how God was, had, had wired him to be used, all right? That's what his giftedness was. Inclination, is there a desire at, this, at a given point? Availability, that is, that's huge, just availability. Some people have resigned from positions on the board because they say, you know what, right now my life has gotten so chaotic, I can't do this any longer. We have to respect that, that, hey, this is, this is life. Trust God to... You know, bring somebody in to, to replace them. Another thing is we've been told by people, it's like, man, I'd love to be in the board, but I can't serve in that position because I I can't I don't have time for anything else. Ask me again in another year or two. They're just not available at that time, though they'd be great at it and willing. So there are these kinds of things. They're all factors considered in our process. Now, in order to do our work most effectively. We ask for input from everyone. Did you notice how the apostle said, hey, seek from among yourselves? You guys find some people that we can appoint. If you wish the committee to consider an individual for a position, please indicate their name on this form and place it in the box in the foyer. So we're beginning that process. But then we ask people, please note something here. You don't have to make a recommendation for each position. You may say, hey, you know what? I would, you know, I'm just so mad at David Cruz. I don't want him to be a deacon anymore. So I'm going to put in seven names for deacons, okay? All right. So, but that's all I'm going to put in is for deacon. That's fine. You don't have to put in something for every position. Recommendations on this form do not automatically appear on the ballot. Just because a name has been given doesn't mean it's going to show up on the ballot. Because otherwise, why do, you need a ballot commi- why do you need a nominating committee? We need to talk to people, find out if they're available, and all the things that I've just mentioned that not everybody is, is going to be available for such things and, uh, or gifted for it or a thousand things. All right. Only one or two names will appear for any position, even though it's possible the several names might be recommended for each position. Write in candidates are acceptable at the annual meeting. See, we're not, we're not taking nominations from the floor. But if you want to begin a write-in campaign on behalf of somebody for a particular position, you really feel strongly about it, go ahead. Tell everybody to write the person's name in. That's fine. What we're not doing is do all the nominating work and then throw that out and say, okay, now we're going to open the floor to ballots. That didn't make sense now. We can't do it that way anymore. There'll be no nominations from the floor. All right? You see how that works? My only point is this. There came a time in our in our previous growth history where we experiencing growth pains needed to make some growth change. We adjusted a system and with it we adjusted people. And let me tell you why I absolutely believe in this process if you will. I was convinced when I came here that our next chairman was Miles If you've worked with Miles, you know this guy is wonderfully gifted, wonderfully gifted for leading some entity. And I was convinced Miles is our next guy. So we first enacted these forms. We put them out there. And for the position of chairman, it came back heavily weighted The name that kept coming up, somebody who did not, I don't think even held office with us at that point, was John Williams. I was stunned. And John Williams is a very good personal friend of mine. I was stunned to see this is what the congregation is believing needs to be considered. John's name winds up on the ballot. John gets put into that position. God's wisdom in that was amazing. John led us through the next building program that took us through this. John also was the right person for that time because at that time we were very dysfunctional in how we dealt with each other. Sorry, we were. It was not good on how we dealt with one another. And God used John to help us address it gently and quietly and address that part of what needed to be corrected in our fellowship. And then John moved away. But when he moved... We were left with a church that was functioning functioning in a healthy way and with this new addition. And God took John from us, brought in Miles. And if you work with Miles, I'm telling you, amazingly gifted. But you know what? Miles would not have been the right guy to help us face our dysfunction. He wasn't the right guy for that because much of it would have fallen back on on. Personal dynamics, not that, I don't want, I don't, much of it would have tied into the, his history here and in his connections here. We needed somebody who was outside of that. And John and Deb were new to the area. John and Deb were um, transplants from Indiana. <laughs> Didn't have any connection to that history. They could, they, John could lead us past that. And then Miles followed. It's an amazing thing to watch. And all of that, in all of that, we saw growth. We saw God's hand of blessing. So we, we, we did exactly what took place here in the book of Acts. We changed the system. We changed people. God blessed. And we've had amazing years since then. So, wrapping it up, friends. Here's, what, here's a couple thoughts I'd like us to think about. First of all, God is about growth. Is he not? One, you see a market in the book of Acts repeatedly. Luke repeatedly marks it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's growth. We we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's growth. So that's, God is about that. So the question is not God in this equation about growth and, and will there be another, another season of growth on our behalf if we, if we come together as a congregation and devote ourselves to the things of the Lord. Question isn't about God. Last week demonstrated that, that God is still ready to show us the potential, man, amazing things can happen, not only with the blisses, but as I say, from Wednesday to Wednesday prior to that, amazing things going on, thanking God for that. But there will be headwinds. Sometimes we won't get it right. Sometimes we're not going to be able to keep up with everything that's going on. But God will bring about growth if we will continue to, fit, to seek Him, trust Him, serve on His behalf. So here, that being the case, here are the kind of questions that maybe you don't want me to ask, but I am going to put them out there because we're spending a little bit of the season Asking these kinds of questions. Knowing that God is about growth. Knowing that God has already demonstrated for us. With an incredible weekend like. Or or week like that. That was revolving around last weekend. I'm asking you a couple questions. One. Will you pray for growth with us? Will you pray that God will use us. To influence a much greater uh, area of northwest Minnesota that we might influence and reach more people. That's number one. Number two, here's a question to consider. Will you serve if asked? And I don't mean just in a board position. I mean in terms of, look, we need people to help in these other places because eventually as God brings growth, we don't have enough people to cover it. I think uh, think at our CE meeting or at our board meeting, Paul mentioned there was like a significant influx within one element of the, uh, uh, the Awana program. It's like, oh yeah, there'd been 30, we're up to like 38 or something, 37 in one week. Okay, we want to see that go. We want to see that continue to go. But you know what? Awana is a very, is a very labor-intensive program. <laughs> Awana is built upon the, uh, upon the ministries of those who say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give my Wednesday nights to kids for the sake of the kingdom. And it takes a lot of people to make a want to work. And if you don't have enough, guess what happens? The program isn't as effective as it can be and growth slows down. So just telling you, it's, it's not... And asking, will you serve with us? If asked, it's not necessarily, hey, on the annual meeting, you're going to be asked to be on the board. No, there's all sorts of places where service happens. But here's another question I would like to ask. Assuming growth happens... Will you love the people whom God brings our way? Will you love the people whom God brings our way? That was at the essence of what Dave Bliss said last week about abiding in Christ. It's going to lead to love. It's going to bear fruit. See, I know from experience, I've been at this long enough to know, not everyone wants to love the people whom God brings our way. First of all, we're not always inclined to love people who are different than us. Did you notice the breakdown in this text was between the Hebrews and the Hellenists? Somehow there was a divide there. There was something that broke down between them. But you have a record of loving people. And people speak of this. I've already mentioned Kathy and Joe. How wonderful is it? Because I think I'm going to be speaking at her funeral in Indiana. How wonderful will it be to go back to those people and say, Hey, we've had your precious sister up with us for 15 years. I can tell you unequivocally we have loved her. I look forward to telling them that. Because that's what you have done. Even Deb mentioned in making arrangements, she mentioned how unusual it was that you received John Williams. Because as a DNR guy, that's not well received in this area. I cannot tell you how many times John said to me, he has never had the fellowship anywhere else that he had in this church and he would name Larry and Lowell and Bob. Bob. And this earlier generation, men who loved the Lord and they reached out in love to John. And he hasn't found it where he's at now. He'll openly say that not like that fellowship was that he had here. So we have a history of this, but will we do it? I know not everybody will. You know why? Because one, sometimes we don't like people who are different than us. Another thing, people start coming in, it gets threatening. Do you know what it does? It dilutes our power. I told you about the guy up in, up in one of the early churches that I served. When we were picking up a new family, about every six or seven weeks, an entire new family would come with kids, and they're joining us, and we're having a great time, and, and, and that church is flourishing right now. I'm so excited for them. Then I had one guy, a board member who said to me, Whatever happened to our nice little church? Really? See what happened? The more people that came and got involved, the more diluted his power was. It's plain and simple. He no longer had as big a say. You know what we said to people when we went through these forms? We told them, People, you need to understand, if you allow us to adopt this as opposed to what we've been doing in our annual meetings, you will lose power. Because you will not be able to step into this annual meeting and then start nominating. That's gone. You're going to have to work through this. And the name you put on there may not show up on a ballot. But they graciously allowed that to happen. Some people don't want to give that up, friends. But you know what? The apostles gave it up, didn't they? The apostles gave up the power. They said, you know what? We need to now focus on preaching the word and praying and we're going to let others come in and carry out this administrative task. They gave up that power, and they weren't threatened to do that. How about people who come here and they got a reputation? You knew them when they were younger. You didn't like them when they were younger. You still don't like them now? What about that? What about that? What about the person who, you know, they're just, they're just known by everybody, that they're, they're just not very good people, but God begins to prod their hearts and they come here. Will they be loved? Or will you dismiss them? Well, some of us are going to struggle with that, I promise. We'll stop there, my friends. God's about growth. And when we experience growth pains, we may have to engage some growth change. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Would that not be wonderful if we caught that vision and said, God, we want to be used in a new and fresh, significant way. We have seen a season of growth that has brought us to this point, but we've also seen a season, well, well, maybe we've just kind of plateaued a little bit. And Lord, we're ready. We're coming together again because we are ready. We want to see another season of growth that will blow the doors off of anything that we ever experienced before. Wouldn't that be incredible? I pray that we have that kind of a vision for reaching our area. Father, thank you. Thank you that your work of the gospel will not stop that your desire for the kingdom to grow, to reach people for Jesus Christ, your desire won't stop. Your work won't stop. The question is, Lord, whether or not we are ready to engage in such a way, in a fresh way, in a new way, that we trust you for a new season of growth, one that will last years, Lord, that we can palpably see, that we can demonstrate to a younger generation this is what it looks like when God works. And they will be encouraged and they will be blessed and they will carry on in their own generation when they're given the responsibility leadership. Oh, Father, impress upon us. Draw us together as one. Commit us to the work of your church. Commit us, Father, to loving people for the sake of Jesus Christ. And uh, I ask, Father, that your grace may be great upon us. In Jesus' name.